just, just a show of hands. Um, how many of you were caught in this sell-off here? That's pretty good. Not, not too many of you, considering. Did, uh, did any of you by any chance get caught on the downside, or did you actually trade successfully in that sell-off there? Just a, a show of hands again. Uh, the downside. Who was caught, who was caught losing? Uh, okay. Okay, now, if you're, that, that's again, looking at the, the number of people in here, that's, that's relatively small, considering. I guess, uh, what happened there, uh, and, I, and I bring up this chart, is, is to show you the, the difference, and when I look to buy and when I look to sell, on a NASDAQ, across, just as a market overall. Um, you see, in October, in November of, can everyone see that? In October of uh, 1999, uh, right there, we had the sell-off at the end of October 99. October is, as we all know, the terrible month, the tough month. Historically, it's proved that way. Um, I take every day as it comes, doesn't matter. Uh, yes, I'm more wary in October. It is tougher psychologically because sentiment on the market is negative, but you never know. We had a big crash in 87. Who knows? We could run 5,000 points from here. Uh, there's, never, there's never anything that, that, that should surprise you off the market. Um, and I'm sure if all of you are, have been watching CNBC, there's uh, the balancing of all the uh, mutual funds, etc., that takes place in October. So you see somewhat of an exaggerated move. But I use that as my point of reference because I believe that this entire move up, although 25% of the move was inverted commas real, I believe that a lot of the move, especially up to this point, was very exaggerated and was that big bubble waiting to burst. And uh, you may say, well, that's all in high insight, looking at everything there, but when NASDAQ goes from, you know, up 80% in one year, that's a, that's a big pop. That You should look for a consolidation, if not a sell-off, the next year, just as a rule of thumb from where I come from. Um, and you saw this downward move here. Now, if you look at that downward move there, compared to that downward move there, you'll notice that the bars are significantly exaggerated. And that's what we define in the day trading environment as panic. Panic selling. <laughs> this, <laughs> and I'll come to why I say panic selling. This, as you can see, is coordinated, well-organized selling. Now, the difference between the two, this is what I, I perceive. There's always a... You could walk into our day trading floor and there are 500 traders and every single one of us thinks there's a conspiracy out there against us. So, so just bear with me, it's a theory I have. Um, <laughs> basically, this is panic selling. Small investors caught with margin calls. Uh, a few institutional investors caught with margin calls, but a, a significant panic in the market. This is coordinated, organized institutional selling, as far as I see it. This is where we're all expecting a bounce here, but not getting it. And every time the market tries to go up, you're getting significant selling. It's not the small investor, the way I see it. I think it's institutional. And that's why your bars are much more organized and coordinated. And that's happening on volume. Unfortunately, I couldn't get a volume chart, but that's happening on volume right there. So is, you see the panic beginning there again in August. Um, and you can see the upward move as well, the gap ups coming up. That's panic buying, being afraid of not being involved in the, in the market or the stock when the stocks do turn. How many of you were looking to buy if the market hit 3,000? Just a show of hands. 
Okay, and if it hit 2800, I'm sure everyone would be looking to buy. That's because everyone seems to think that that 2800, which is support, which is where we started the upward move, right there. That's why every market maker thinks that is the support move, or that every analyst thinks that is it. That is it, but this is a huge psychological level, 3000, and uh, that's the level I was going with. As you can see, this isn't to date. Um, uh, it, it, I think it's up until 20, the end of September, and we saw a drastic a downward move again. Again, the bars look fairly similar um, in that it's coordinated and routine selling. So um, be wary of where the market's going. Be wary of who's selling. Trying to identify who's selling here is almost impossible. But, whoa, how did that happen? Okay. Um, well, I'll come to it again. Okay, well, I was, I was discussing earlier about um, the, uh, the price targets. This is a good example, and I use this stock because I actually made a play in this stock myself. Um, and I was looking at support at uh, around the $40, $42 price target range. Um, and I identified that because of that noisy pattern, if you like, there. It's come and hit 40 on a few occasions here and bounced right off. Um, so I said to myself, I'll look at that, that as an opportunity to, to get involved in a stock. Now there is, like I said, a downside risk, and you may think, well, $2 is a significant downside risk. Um, again, it depends on your buying power. But I identified these numbers as the numbers I would go along with. And when I say buying price, it's the buying price of a target that you have set in your mind, not necessarily a specific written in stone buying price where you begin to execute orders. Okay, the second one is your ideal buying price. That's, that's really where you want to have the majority of your position. Um, stocks don't necessarily hit that ideal price, as we all know. Um, but they'll give you opportunities, and often you'll have that little buffer, like I said right there. Um, relative to the chart, it may look like maybe a dollar or two, but that's, again, a function of your risk and the number of shares and size you have. Um, the third one is the... Uh, the ideal, the, 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 the fail sell price, if it breaks 39, and I picked 39 because it's the bottom of that, the support where I thought was, that the noisy part where I thought was support, and the bottom right there. And you, you can see that. And I'm, I'll, I'll tell you why I'm not referring to this section, because my play was actually made in June, somewhere about here. Um, so when I come to it, you'll be able to reflect on it better. But uh, as you can see, I'm identifying that as a support level. Now, why, why don't I go back to, uh, to October and say, well, uh, that should be my support level? Well, there's a reason why the stocks did go up. They were good earnings, good growth in the market, etc. You can't just be ignorant and wait for it to come back to that price. Um, you, have to, you have to establish an intermediate price range somewhere in there. But uh, I wanted to just run through the definitions of each one so you can better understand the next charts that I do pull up. Uh, and, uh, and moving on, AFCI, the example I, I took off, uh, sorry, the, uh, the buffer. That is, that is the buffer I was talking about, 39 to 40, which is the dollar buffer uh, that I gave it personally. Um, now, this is the, uh, the daily chart for, uh, for AFCI. And uh, you notice the, uh, the exaggerated move here in, uh, in uh, that, that market correction we have, down 570-odd points. Um, it tended to, to, to ricochet off of that, you know, 38, 39, 40 uh, 
dollar price target right there. You have to realize that a lot of this downward move here, as you can see in the length of these bars, uh, is, is very exaggerated. Um, and it's very difficult for me to, to, to explain to you what I see in that last 4.5 point down move from this chart. But what I see on level two is something very different from what you see up here. Um, and I'm looking at who's buying, who's selling, and how the stock and what volume it's traded down. And I'm identifying a good opportunity for me to get involved there. Now the position that I actually wanted to get involved was, you see that bar right there, the, the long one right there? That was the exaggerated move that I, uh, that I picked. And, uh, and thought that AFCI was oversold on that day. It just so happens that I was watching the stock aggressively as it approached this 40 price target. Uh, and as you can see, it's bounced before off of 40 right there, off of 40 right there, and that's the one I'm talking about. So I established a position. I set myself my price targets, my goals. In that day, it actually dropped from, I want to get this right, uh, June. No, I'm sorry. It's that day right there. That's the one. And that's history again. That's, it's bounced off of 40 again. So you've got three times comfortably bouncing off of 40. So you have to say to yourself that there are buyers or there is support at 40. So that's the exaggerated there, day right there where I picked my opportunity. And you can see it, 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 the low of the day was that 42, the, the, the buying price that I had set which is very difficult for you to buy and establish a significant position at 42 because it, it really just touched 42 for a second or two. Um, but how it trades down is the important part. And in that day, which is the next chart I'll show you, is exactly how it traded down. And, uh, I, I think it's the next chart. <laughs> um, but you can see that it was down uh, significantly from uh, something like $55 to 42, down like 12, 13 points. Um, on no real news, the exaggerated move uh, um, came on, uh, I think, from around 57, 50, sorry, 52, 53, down 10 points on the day. The last five-point drop in the stock came in the last 20 minutes of the day on about 100,000 shares. That's to get everyone out of the stock because there was an agenda on that stock, or so I believe. So I took out the opportunity and went out with the stock. And as you can see, the next day, it gapped up because there was no news. There was no reason for it. And it actually gapped up beyond the 50%, beyond my price target. So I liquidated most of my position and got out of the stock and uh, um, looked for the, held on to a little bit and uh, played it against that price and got out when it actually did trade down below my price on the intraday basis. But again, it gave you another opportunity right there. And I did the same thing right there. And uh, the bounce came in the next day and I hit my price target again. This time not the same price target because you can see the, the bar is much shorter. So my price target gets adjusted and is, is far less. But as you probably all figured, see the volumes on those days after the, uh, the sell-off right there are far greater than the sell-off volume. Um, and you can see here that the stock continued in an upward trend. And you won't guess what happened on that day and I was kicking myself in the face. Goldman Sachs put it on their recommended list. <laughs> and the stock shot up to $60. And I had like 150 shares left. Oh, it's a killer. Um, but that was a good opportunity. And uh, just using this example again, another opportunity was presented here. But this time it did break my uh, price, my price target. 
and uh, it did break it, break it and uh, continued to trade below it the next day as well on above average volume, above that 4 million mark. And so I, didn't, uh, I took my loss in that case and, uh, and moved on. I didn't look at the stock again. I didn't look to reestablish a support here which would have related to that if you were looking to, but I don't encourage going back to it. I think there are, there are other stocks to look for because as you can see, that 40 support doesn't mean anything anymore because we broke right through it again. And if you were actually watching the stock, the stock actually went through $30 uh, in the past week and a half. Uh, can I address questions? Sure. Okay, I, I wish I had a, a level two quote. What I identify on level two is the number of buyers and sellers. And if I see a certain market maker aggressively selling the stock, every time the stock trades down a quarter of a point, that same market maker is aggressively selling. He's on the offer, he or she's on the offer, selling it. I'm identifying that they're a serious seller. And who's buying it on the bid? I'm trying to identify who's, who's always on the, the stock's on the way down, who's trying to support it? And if I identify a quick change, and I don't see that that market maker that was selling the stock uh, continues selling it, and he's now stepping to the bid, that's a signal to me that he's done, or his order is done. Um, it may not be because they do play games. They show you that they're buyers and they jump right to the other side and they're sellers again. So level two is very important in that sense. And the volume, the volume that trades. Um, I hope the next chart is, is the chart I'm talking about. It'll better address, I think. Okay, there's your AFCI 10 minute chart on that day. This is uh, this line and that line just, just narrowed down that, that Tuesday that I was watching the stock. And uh, this is great. I love this chart. <laughs> uh, this, was, this was one of the, the best position trades I had made in, 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 in June. Um, and uh, you can see that in the last 20 minutes the stock dropped from, what, 40, would you say 45 and change possibly? to $42, and if I had a volume bar there, you'd see that the volume was, was absolutely nothing relative to what the stock had traded, uh, or the average daily volume. So I said, wow, this is a great opportunity to get involved. It's not only approaching that $40 price target that I have, but it's so exaggerated that I started buying aggressively at $43 before it even hit my price target, simply because 15 minutes to the end of the day, no news on the stock. The market looked pretty good on that day. The market makers who were selling the stock in the morning are no longer selling the stock. The man who I follow, the ax who I follow in the stock, is not on the offer. He's probably on the underlying bid, trying to buy the stock. And when I say underlying bid, that's level two again. It's not the inside market bid, it's the next bid down. Um, and that's, that's what I'm trying to identify in this situation. And I managed to, to capitalize on that situation and take advantage of that. And uh, I walk in the next day, and uh, I, was, I was jumping up and down on my keyboard. I was so excited. And uh, my price target on that was, well, how did I identify? I, saw, I noticed that the stock first traded up in the morning, and this is where it really traded a chunk of volume, right there and right there. So I said to myself, well, it's got a 10-point drop. I'm going to set my price target at 5 points, 50% above the 42 level. So I said to myself, around 47, 47 and a half. The stock opened at 47 and a half. And that's not a number that just falls out of the sky. The, the, the research analysts, etc., use a rule of thumb of 50% as well. And it opened up there, 
and uh, it traded up, traded up to actually $49, but I took most of my sales between 47 and a half and 48, and hold on, held on to a very, very small amount, if anything, of that stock. Although the stock did continue to trade up, I did leave money on the table, but as far as my goals, my risks are involved, that to me was a very good uh, position trading opportunity. And that's more of what I look for. Now, my colleague, uh, David Quang, probably looks for the same thing in the exaggerated move, but happening on an intraday basis, somewhere up here. Uh, just the stock being oversold, overreacting, uh, on no significant volume, just presenting you with a better buying opportunity. It's just like we saw on, on that NASDAQ panic chart that I showed you. You've got this panic frenzy coming in, and incidentally, professional day traders like myself love panic. It's when we define a great buying opportunity, but we don't jump in as the panic's happening. We wait for it to subside a little before we do get in. Uh, I'm going to pick another example. Uh, I'm sure you're all familiar with ICGE, uh, internet stock. A friend of mine uh, and a good colleague uh, at Tradescape traded this stock um, quite successfully. But uh, at the end of the day, he traded it so successfully that he actually got married to it. And uh, he gave back almost everything he did make in it, which is sad, but I think he learned uh, a significant um, uh, amount of information from that. And that was, if you notice, AFCI kept bouncing off of that, it's not really marked it, but a $30 price target. And uh, that's what was set initially. Now, if you looked at it previously, there was an $80 price target right there, where there was some sort of support, and it blew right through that. So. That was, again, a, a, a buying opportunity, yes, a position trading opportunity. But look at what market conditions drove it through that. That was the sell-off in April. So market conditions will always dictate. Market conditions will always dictate. This is coming towards the end of October, uh, September, towards the first week of October. Remember, market conditions always dictate. Um, he, uh, he successfully traded it off of 30 in this point off of uh, 30 at this point. Again, he kept himself a buffer. Uh, he had a higher risk, a higher risk tolerance than, than myself, or my rules allow. And he kept on to it here. He, uh, it's amazing how many times he was very successful right throughout this entire trading range. Every single time it bounced off of $30, he looked for a three, four point move. And uh, he kept doing it and made a significant amount of money. But once it did break that $30 and that what I call that, that uh, sell barrier, the uh, risk, uh, risk barrier, the failed sell price right there. Personally, I would be out of the stock. Um, I would have been out here, but uh, he kept on to it. Maybe his tiger target was a bit lower, but he just kept on with the stock and kept on buying it and trading what we call trading around the position. He maintained a small size in the stock and bought and sold as it went down um, all day and you know, all week long, and to the point where uh, I'm sure if you looked at it, got a quote on ICGI in the past week, it was at 11 or $12. Um, and he lost a significant amount of money, and unfortunately it took $14 a share to have him get out of the stock. And uh, he pretty much gave back almost everything he had made in it, if, if not more. And that's where a rule of discipline comes in. And uh, I picked AFCI was successful. This was successful, except Accept your defeat right there. If it didn't work, if it doesn't do what you think it's going to do, get out of the stock. 
Don't, don't, try, and, don't try and create a scenario that will benefit you, because it won't. Um, and that's, uh, that's, that's the example right there. That's ICGE going nuts <laughs> at the end of that. Um, that's the elastic buffer I had. It's just a, a zoom in, if you like. Um, that's the price targets it bounced off of. Now, you can see that that was a significant drop in the price. You couldn't see that on the previous chart, but that's around $24 a share. That's a, that's a $6 price drop. That's not for me. And I encourage it not to be for anyone who's going to try and adapt this style of trading. Um, then we went on to uh, his successful bounces right there, right there, and then not accepting defeat. And as you can see, this is a more recent chart, ICG dropping down and just trading lower and lower. But the reason why I say you don't look for uh, another price or reassess the situation just because it beat you is they really don't like the internet stocks. That was one sentiment right there. They don't like them. They don't know how to evaluate them. Uh, eight months, six, eight months ago, they were the greatest stocks out there. Today, they're the worst stocks out there. Um, the market changes. You know, we, we had fiber optics. We had human genome, etc. Something will creep up in the next couple of weeks or a month, and you'll see it take off. But uh, don't get caught trying to reassess. And uh, again, your rules of discipline will help you with that. And the rules that I throw in with regards to position trading. Uh, this is another, another example of, uh, of an opportunity. Semiconductor stock, great stock, um, NASDAQ again. And it's, it's given you two, maybe three opportunities to get involved. You can see a, a top, top price range where it, uh, semiconductors were very hot. You had a significant, I think it was the downgrade from Solomon Smith Barney coming in somewhere here, where everyone went nuts on and tried to defend the sector. And you saw the exaggerated or the uh, you know, drastic move down. And then a bounce back, uh, you know, semiconductors are back all of a sudden. They love them. Then you have Intel coming out later on somewhere down here. And, you know, they have their cycles. But you don't need to be concerned with the cycles. Like I say, keep it black and white. Keep it simple. Um, the, uh, the bounce opportunities, again, you've got significant support coming in across that, uh, you know, 45, 46 price range. Just because of how the stock is traded right there, it's maintained a price pattern right here and uh, bounced off once right there, another time off of that elastic buffer. And when I say that, that, that the stock will ricochet off that price, even if it is your elastic buffer, that's, see that little dip right there? That's what I mean, is you may have begun hitting your position up, but you may have noticed that the stock not trading any lower, and so you reestablished your position. At least that's how we, we trade. If it doesn't do what you thought it's going to do, and does the opposite. Don't be afraid of getting back into it. Um, and uh, presented you with the opportunity again. And the, there was probably another opportunity here. I don't have a detailed chart, but you would have noticed that later on the stock did break through. And somewhere along the lines, I think it actually got downgraded again and was down drastically about to, to, to $29 or $30 a share. Um, so that's again, stay away. It's, it's done. You had the opportunities, one, two, at that occasion, you have the opportunities here. One, two, three, four. Um, those, are, those are the times to take on those positions or the swings. And you can see that the swings I'm talking about are two three-day cycles right there. That's the day you take on the position. That's the day you're out. That's the day you take on the position. You, it's traded up at some point. That's the day you're out. Same thing here. Same thing here. So it's two or three days. And these are stocks that generally move. 
they trade every single day. You don't want to take a position in a stock that trades 200,000 shares a day or 500,000 shares a day. You want to take on a stock that aggressively trades every single day and has liquidity in it. Uh, that's, a, that's a better picture of, uh, of Altera. It's a, again a zoom in presenting it with the opportunities we saw earlier on. Um, the opportunity there which, uh, which presented itself where the support was initially. Once again off of that 46 price range. The noisy pattern here. And uh, like I said earlier, probably an opportunity somewhere in there. Uh, that pretty much concludes uh, the, uh, the slides and the presentation. There you go. But uh, I, hope, I hope I helped you in some way or another. And uh, uh, I'm, I think we're having a meeting of the minds tomorrow. So thank you.